Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is live, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. Now on to the show. Moving Iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving Iron time and time again. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 142. This week my guest is Ray Boax and you might know Ray from Twitter as the Hot Rod Farmer. He also has a podcast on the Global Ag Network with with me and some of my counterparts called Idle Chatter and he also has a website called Farm Machinery Digest and I found Ray um, through the Global Ag Network and and because uh, I listened to some of the stuff he has on there and Ray has a unique um, kind of a kind of view here. He's uh, got a pretty unique backstory and, and it's something I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to him about. But Ray's podcast basically talks about the uh, the, the maintenance side and uh, the of the machinery and, and how to keep things working good and, and running right. So Ray, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much, Casey. I'm honored to be on your show because I'm a fan of yours, and uh, it's great to be able to uh, put the two of us together, and I thank you for that opportunity. You're on the business side of machinery, and I'm on the nuts and bolts side. So, and, uh, and we both are important, right? That's very true, and Ray, it, it's, it's my pleasure to have you on, man. So let's just jump into this. So if you, if you notice uh, and you've had a chance to listen to Ray, he's, uh, he's from out in New Jersey. He's a farmer out there, and, and uh, shockingly enough, there are farmers in New Jersey. So, uh, Ray, give me a little background on yourself and, and, and how you got to this point in your life. Well, we have a, a small family farm in New Jersey that we, my family has had before I was born. And we're, my name, uh, my surname is of Ukrainian descent. My parents were born in the United States, but my grandparents all came from Ukraine. And they immigrated into New York City to Ellis Island, and they did not like the city at all because they were from a farm area, an agrarian area. And they ended up finding this part of New Jersey, which is Warren County, which had a lot of Slovak people. And then in 1954, they bought what is now our family farm. So I've been a uh, a second-generation American-Ukrainian on a farm that was bought by my grandparents. And um, so... uh, been a, quite an interesting, interesting uh, journey on a small farm, and this area has changed so much dramatically. We're only 60 miles from New York City, so the suburbs have moved out, but we still have a lot of agriculture. And uh, I've always loved farming. I've always loved machinery. I'm a car guy. I used to build drag race engines, and I'm also a you know, technical writer in the automotive and agricultural industry. And uh, I humbly say some people may uh, may know me from success farming magazine because i am the engine man there and i'm also on their tv show so as the successful farming engine man and uh i just wanted to put it all together i was frustrated because i felt that there needed to be a conduit to bring more information about the mechanical side of farm equipment to the farmers and ranchers and uh so i figured uh i would try doing a podcast on a website that's really it in a nutshell yeah and it's uh well it's a great thing and that's the one thing i love about you know podcasts like yours and, and what i'm trying to do here is we're trying to 
to, to, to share information and uh, kind of grow that, that knowledge and, and maybe break down some, some barriers and some walls between things that, that we can uh, better have communication between, like on my end, from the, uh, from the retail you know, business side of it to the, to the end user side or even from uh, just dealership to dealership, those kind of things, spreading those ideas and, and uh, what, you know, what we see happening in the market. And, you know, I think from like your days in the car business and, and want to hit on that a little bit, but your days, you know, being in the automotive side of the business, that's an ever, ever changing, ever evolving animal, just like, uh, just like farm equipment, you know, it's one day it's, uh, uh, you know, you got machines that are driving themselves and all the electronics and stuff that go into them. And, 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 and that's there, you just have so much going on that there's no way that you can possibly know everything. And especially on the, on the, the mechanic side, the, the technical side of the, of the business, you know, they always find those tricks of the trade out there. So when you, uh, from your automotive side of, of your, of your life and your career, how do you see some parallels between the two, between what you see happening on the, on the, the farm equipment side of the business and what you see happening on the automotive side of the business? Yeah, what I, the, the parallels I see also have a big canyon between them. Right. Because I, I, I'm an engineer by trade, and I also, um, not only did I, uh, like I said, had my own shop and built engines, but I also was a test driver and calibration engineer for BMW of North America. Their engineering facility is in New Jersey, and I did a good amount of testing on it at the time I had a I had a freelance contract with them, and I did testing on the what was then the new 3 Series and when the X5 Sports Utility came out. So I have a background within the automotive industry of doing engineering consulting. And then, But what, it, what I saw and what really is a problem for the agricultural industry, both on the end user, the farmer side, and for you on the dealership, the, the, the business side of equipment, is that they... There was not a transition from truly mechanical engines and equipment to electronics. There was a big jump in agriculture. In the car industry, we had carburetors, using that for an example. We had carburetors, we had electronic carburetors, we had throttle body injection, then we had poor fuel injection, and then direct gasoline injection. There was this... There was this curve. There was this. There was this process that was linear. What What happened in the agriculture industry, as you know, is they went from a simplistic mechanical engine to almost one leap to an electronically controlled engine. They went from a simple mechanical hydraulics to all or a whole bunch of integrated electronics into that into those systems. And the technician, the farmer, and the dealer did not have that transition. So there was a big cavern and. Uh, or a big valley, I should really say, not a cavern. And what really needs to happen is that we need to try to bring that up and, that, and bring bring those two together. And you, I mean, a person could have had an older John Deere tractor and they bought a 2018, and if they had a 15- or 20-year-old tractor, which is very common, it's a completely different. It's like going from a right. rotary phone to an iPhone. Right. And, yeah. and uh, that's really what I see. The problem is one of the impetuses for me to do this was not to make the person into an engineer. You know, we used to have a, a retailer, a clothier, on the East Coast here because our farm is only 60 miles from New York City. And his advertising tagline was called, his, it was Sims, S-Y-M-S, men's clothier. He was a haberdasher. And his advertising tagline was, the educated consumer is my best customer, because he felt if the consumer was educated, they would see the value in his product. 
I steal Mr. Sims' tagline, and I say the educated farmer, the knowledgeable farmer, is going to be the most profitable. And mm-hmm. in the same terms, the educated technician in a service facility, an agriculture equipment service facility, is going to not only be the most profitable to his store, but serve the end user of the farmer the best way that he possibly could. And so, in essence, that is what the problem is. The parallels are that everything that we've had, everything that we have in agriculture now, we basically had 20 years, other than auto steer, 20 years in the cars, 20 years ago in cars. Right. There's nothing new. There's, 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 you know, people think that ag is so high-tech, and it is high-tech compared to what's before, but we've had anything that they have in agriculture as far as engine management is concerned, emission controls, electronics and monitors. It was yes, it was granted. It was used a different way, but we had that 20, 20 years ago in cars. So that has made it easy for me to transition, but not easy for the average farmer or technician. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. I mean, you're, you're exactly right. It, there has been a very rapid um, increase in technology, like you said, whether it's uh, the, the the auto track or whether it's the just like you said on the engine side of the business. There, there, there was a pretty big jump between, you know, what it was in, you know, an 8300 John Deere tractor to a, a, a 2018 8370R. You know, there's a huge gap between those two, and it's it's a pretty, pretty slim amount of time that 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 happened. And it's a, it was a, a, a pretty, I think it caught a lot of folks kind of off guard now that were doing a lot of their work, their own work. Um, trying to do as much as they can on their own to where where we're at now, and we're starting to see this uh, this the the need for for our technicians and, and the ramp up that we're seeing there is a uh, it's a pretty big uh, a pretty big hurdle to overcome even even from the, on the automotive side you know technicians are always in need but on the farm equipment side of the business and diesel engine technology and those kind of things there is a uh, there's a big kind of like you said, or a big cavern there between um, getting those the, that knowledge and that ramp up in our technicians. Yeah, and, and you know, one of you know, one of, for instance, I had a, a gentleman contact me a while back through my website, and because uh, I love to be able to dialogue and help people any way I possibly can. I mean, often it's from three thousand miles away because I'm in New Jersey, but you know, we, we call it industry trying to phone fix something. Uh-huh. But I had a person who bought; I think he bought it up in Canada. He bought a, uh, a, a planter. It was a John Deere planter, and I think he had a case. Uh, case tractor. I honestly don't remember. It was two different colors. The planter and the tractor were two different colors. And uh, he tried to interface the electronics in it, and he could not interface. I don't remember per se what the what the exact issue was, but he couldn't interface the electronics. And then he went crazy with this people uh, trying to get it to work. And what basically had happened? It was a it was a uh, a used planter. Was only maybe one one planting season, but in essence. Because he was not familiar with how to use a voltmeter and do a voltage drop test on the ground, he spent a lot of money and a lot of time, and then the end result was the only reason why it did not want to interface is that it had a pinched ground wire. Uh, yeah. And it, had, and it, it cost this gentleman you know, a, a, a lot of time, a lot of money, and a lot of aggravation. And he happened to find the pinched wire 
by chance, not through a diagnostic procedure, but he happened to be running his hand across a wire or putting his hand up for some reason, and he found his Jesus like a dent in this wire. And that was what the whole problem was. And, you know, I use that as an example because the basics, the basics are... The farmer needs to learn the basics. He needs to understand a voltage drop test. He needs to understand how to use a voltmeter. He needs to be able to understand some basic electronics because if we're introducing all these electronics into these systems, you know, what frustrates to me to know when is everybody talks about high-tech, high-tech, high-tech. Well, if the tractor doesn't run, you know what I'm saying, or the transmission doesn't go in here, but all the high-tech means absolutely nothing. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, so we're, we're basically, you know, the industry talks about high-tech, drones, and you know, that's all fine, and high-tech this, and we're going to have this, and we're going to have satellite interface. That all comes to a screeching halt if the tractor doesn't spot. Right. You know, or, 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 you know, or something so simplistic today, or so simplistic like a bad diode in an alternator that's feeding, that's feeding non-rectified AC into a computer system, that'll drive your monitors, or drive your engine control, it'll drive everything crazy. And the thing is that we're trying to forget about the basics and the foundation of it needs to be established, needs to be established. Yep. Yep. So I was listening so, to your, the last podcast of yours I was listening to, and it's been a while back. I haven't had a chance to really listen to too many podcasts here of late, but um, the one I was listening to last time, and you made a comment, and, and you were talking about um, servicing your uh, air conditioning unit. And yes. And it was the, the the point of your con- uh, the point of the podcast was this is something that I, you said I think your exact words I'm kind of paraphrasing here but something to the effect of no one really worries about the air conditioner until until it doesn't work right that's correct yeah, yeah. that's correct yeah. yeah it's the last thing anybody thinks about and and that's a great point because I I'm the same way I mean never really thought about servicing quote unquote my my uh, my air conditioner and. and and the point that you made in there that I thought was a good one, and I want you to kind of expand on this a little bit, was what what you're doing in your podcast isn't going to make anybody any money, but it's going to save them money in the long term because you're you're basically you're not going to have a, a critical failure at at a very bad point in time. Like you know, your combine's not going to fail in the middle of harvest when you've got black storm clouds coming at you from from the west here. You know, so. Talk about that a little bit, and talk about how your your focus on your podcast and, and what that what that focus is for your for your listeners. You know that's that's exactly you 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 you. Um, I have to commend you because you picked up what I'm trying to convey. Nothing that I say on my show or on my website will make you a nickel. It's going to save you money. And what I what I like to say, it's not what you make, what your farm makes, it's what you keep is what counts. You could have great crop prices. Great, you know, great yield. Great, you blow up every motor on the farm, then you're going to have you're going to have brackets on the bottom of your balance sheet. Right. So the thing basically is is that, uh, and the point I want to emphasize is that I look I, I look at farm equipment as I do emergency equipment, rescue equipment. It needs to run when it needs to run. And something, for instance, like doing a fluid analysis, which is a predictor of a potential problem, is so important so that you could find that problem before you get into the field. But I also take it a take a blanket approach and look at every piece of equipment on the farm. Every piece of equipment on the farm is important. And for instance, let's say like the air conditioner. Mm-hmm. And, and 
bring that up, is that if you have today's farm equipment, you need to have air conditioning because it's like an office building. The windows don't open. You can't have an open platform. You can't get any air in there. So the thing is that if you if you neglect something like the air conditioner and it has a catastrophic failure and it costs you three, four, five thousand dollars to fix it, you're spending three or four, five, three or four, five thousand dollars. How much crop is that? How many bushels of corn? How many bushels of wheat? How many, whatever you whatever you produce, you have to look at it that way. And once you look at it that way, you will see that it is very easily erode your profit margin very quickly. I'd rather have you put that money into a crop fertility and spend a couple of hundred dollars in a dealership getting that air conditioner service, for example, or doing a fluid analysis and finding that the hydraulic pump on the planter is starting to go away, and it's still going to cost you $4,000 for the pump, but it's not going to break when you're trying to chase that optimum planting window to get that crop in the ground. So basically, in essence, it's, it's, you know, it's always cheaper to maintain things and then to fix them or replace them, and specifically in a business like agriculture that is so time-sensitive for that machine to work. Yep. I'm... Uh... I'm right there with you, man. You brought something up that is near and dear to my heart, and that's uh, that's fluid samples. Um, I, you know, I I think a lot of that comes from my my first my first job in this industry was working for a cat dealership, and and that was one thing that they did a lot of, and I think it was pretty heavily adopted on the construction side of the business was, you know, routine fluid samples. Every time something came in to get, an oil, get the oil changed every 250 hours or 500 hours or whatever it was, there was a, a lifelong uh, representation of those fluid samples throughout. You know, what, If they had 10,000 hours on it, there was every whatever interval those those oils were going to be changed at, you had a you had a snapshot in time of what that looked at, and then you could go back and compare what that looked like all the way through. And the power that's in a fluid sample is it is above and beyond anything else that you can think of when you're looking at a predictive failures, you know, and I, I think that 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 is something that has not been adopted very well on on the uh, ag side of the business. No, I, I agree, and it frustrates me because the thing is that, you know, um, I, I agree with you 100%, and you being on the equipment side, so let's say I have a tractor and I've had fluid testing and fluid testing results since brand new, and now I want to trade this piece of equipment in, right? Then you're going to see that this, you're going to be able to confidence take that in onto your pre-owned lot. And then with confidence, you're going to be able to sell that to the next farmer. And then also it, with confidence, that farmer is going to be able to buy that equipment from you and say, I have a whole history of fluid analysis being a predictor of what is going on in this piece of equipment, be it hydraulic fluid, coolant, coolant, or engine oil. And the part that, you know, I watch these auctions on TV, and these people are going to spend six figures on a, on a piece of equipment, and they don't know whether that, if, whether that engine has sold the line of cavitation. If they do a $25 fluid sample, yeah. right, they'd be able to see whether there's any elemental metals in there, and they'd say, geez, you know, cavitation erosion is starting. It doesn't have a hole in the lining yet, but this is a piece of equipment that I either don't want to buy or is going to give me problems down the road. But the, the thing is that I'm, I'm with you a thousand percent, and uh, 
It's so inexpensive to do fluid testing. And to me, a, a farmer that does not do fluid testing, and my East Coast roughness will come out, is that it's akin to a guy who just puts NP and K down on the soil, never does soil testing, mm-hmm. and he wonders why he never has record yields. Yep. He scratches his head and he blames the weather, he blames the seed, he blames the soil, he blames everything else. I mean, fluid testing is the key to predicting a potential failure or problem when it is not really there yet. It's like going to the doctor and getting a checkup. Yep. And that's especially true. We get a lot of those machines that come through that have, you know, 8,000 hours, 10,000 hours, 12,000 hours, those kind of things. And these older machines that are coming through through the line right now. And, you know, the first thing someone asks you all the time is, you know, what's has there been a new engine or a new transmission or is anything been overhauled or underhauled or anything like that? And a lot of times, no, that hasn't. And so... It's hard if you had the fluid samples to, to present, you could say, well, you know, here's the last 5,000 hours worth of fluid samples to kind of give you an idea of what's that. And you can start seeing what's, is the engine strong? Is the transmission got some issues with it? To your to your point on the hydraulic pump, if the hydraulic pump goes out and it shells out and sends, you know, metal shavings throughout the entire hydraulic system, that's expensive to fix. You know, that's, you're, you're going through a lot of, a lot of headaches to get that done. So, you know, there's just so many things you can do to to kind of prevent or at least predict what's coming down the line. Oh, 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 exactly. And it's so, I mean, a fluid test is 25 or $30. You spend, right. and most labs, if you're going to do a lot of testing, they'll give you the evacuation pump. So you could do, uh, you could do an in-service test on anything. And, uh, you know, even if on a used piece of equipment, you're going to an auction, get there, uh, you know, you're spending $200,000, go there a week early and examine a piece of equipment, take a sample, send it out, spend $100, sample three or four different foods, send it to the lab, they'll get it back to your ASAP, and you'll know with confidence whether you want to bid on that piece of equipment. Yep. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give a plug for one of my shows, and I don't know if you got a chance to listen to it, but I did, um, I, I believe I called it something old to you was something new to me, and it, basically that whole show is based upon how you should prepare a new piece of equipment, brand new equipment when it comes to the farm, for potential resale and what you should do to make that piece of equipment something that someone else would want to buy. Yep. And I, I and I think that it would be a good listen for your customers and for your and for and for just for the general farm audience because you know there's nothing wrong with pre owned equipment and you know it's great to have new equipment but we need to set the stage. We have to think of that piece of equipment leaving the farm the day we bring it home, and if we want to get the most return on investment from our dollars, and I want to, I want it to come to your dealership, and I want you to be able to sell that machine with confidence to somebody else, and I want everybody to be profitable. Yeah. And these little things like brushing your teeth, right? Then you go to the dentist, what do you tell you? Brush your teeth, it's not complicated. But for some reason, the agricultural community likes to poo-poo that and say, ah, that doesn't mean anything, we don't need to do that, and uh, they just go on their own way, and then they, then they cry. I'm their biggest critic. I love them because they're my people, but I'm the biggest critic, and I have no, no, I have no patience for people who don't want to put the effort in to make their operation truly, truly profitable, and just point fingers. And machinery will bury you if it's not taken care of. Yep, yep, and that's you know your your brush your teeth analogy is, is a good one because you know there's a there's a link between you know brushing your teeth and having having good. Um, uh, oral health and, and how it relates to your heart. You know what I mean? So, I mean, that's kind of the same thing. You know, you have an issue come up, a little issue over here could lead to a giant 
create, you know, you could a little issue over here, you could fix it. It's not too big of a deal. If you just fix that, you save your engine 1,500 down, hours down the road. Oh, exactly. And, and like <clears> you said, and it's great that you brought that up because, you know, that there, there is a synergy in equipment. There is a synergy as things interact. And there is also a synergy specifically. There's a great amount of synergy with the modern electronics today. So the thing is that you could have, uh, you could have a, a weak battery in a piece of equipment, and because that weak battery with sulfated cells, uh, you know, you can't put the, you know, I'm jumping away from fluid, but the electronics, but it's the same thing. You, you know, just like you can't, maybe, you know, maybe out in Scott's Bluff, you have a pretty good idea where the lightning is going to strike because there's a, there's a cell phone tower there, or there's a big high, you know, there's a tree up on top of the mountain, but you really can't predict how electricity is going to, going to react to a certain condition. And something like a sulfated battery, that is, that this piece of equipment needs nothing more than battery could drive all the in-cab electronics and the engine controller crazy simply because the alternator output is being skewed. So the thing is that it's, you know, getting back to the brushing your teeth and what you were saying about affecting your heart, that today the equipment is like a plate of spaghetti where everything is touching one another. And you say, well, how the heck is the, you know, how the heck is the battery going to affect, you know, affect my planter? Well, if you run an electric cable to there, or how is the alternator going to affect this? Or how is, you know, how is the, the degradation of the fluid in the, my hydraulic system going to affect the output of my PTO or the or one of the hydraulic lines that are going someplace else. It all is basically integrated today, and we need to just uh, and it's, it really it's it's simplistic. It's simplistic. It's simplistic and complicated. You take care of it properly. You have a basic understanding, and this equipment will serve you for a long time. But I'll say one thing from my estimation. With the complexity of taste machines, they will last a long time and serve you very well if you take care of them properly. But if you don't, they have no tolerance for, for poor maintenance, or yeah. very little tolerance yeah. for poor maintenance. The old stuff was like a, like a hammer and an anvil. You had to really kill it to break it, and um, you, had to, you had to be a real gorilla to break it. But this stuff today, I mean, you don't, these guys, they want to fight me to put lubricity in the, in the diesel fuel. Yeah, right. And, and, and then they claim, then they cry why they got $6,000 worth of inje injector repairs in their pickup truck. Yep. So, yep. yeah. Uh, I'm hard on them because I want them to be profitable. I'm hard on them because I call it it's tough love. And I don't tell people what they want to hear on my show. I tell them what they need to do to be profitable as far as the machinery side. My end of the mechanical side of the machinery. And I want them to put, I want them to have the ledger column where it says repairs, minimal maintenance at the proper level and then I want them to put that I put, want to put those profits into fertility, into animal husbandry, into, a, into, into everything else and I want them to be able to come and buy a new piece of equipment and be able to take care of that and, and have it profitable on their farm and be able to sell it and pass it on to someone else as a good piece of equipment and it's really it is a, there's, a, there's basics and one of the basics is that advertise your fuel 
if you don't advertise your fuel, you're off to all you're off off to the races as far as wear in the fuel system, the engine, the tier four system, everything. So it's a it's a simplistic approach. I don't try to make people into engineers. I don't want them to be an engineer. I want them to know what they need to do. Like going to the doctor, brush your teeth, exercise, watch your cholesterol, and you're okay, buddy. You don't need to go get a medical degree for that. That's right. That's right. All right. So tell me if I go up to your website right now, and that's Farm Machinery Digest com correct correct if i go um, and go ahead no i'm sorry and there's there's a bunch of technical articles there the podcasts are also there mm-hmm. and because i come from a magazine background it's laid out with and laid out like a magazine there's an editorial column monthly but i really would like to you know what i'd really like to share with your audience is that i have something i call a toolbox test and I do those once a month. There's about a 10 or 11 of them up there now. And they're, they're a test that you take, and it's multiple choice, and you just click on it and submit the answers, and then you get the right answer back, but it's the right answer with an explanation. It's just not the answer is B. The correct answer is B. I explained to you why. So it's, I meant it to be a true learning tool for the farmer. And um, each one is patterned with a little, with a little story. I don't just say, okay, you know, the alternator is not charging what you should, what you should do. I put a real life story into it, and I really think that your audience would enjoy it and uh, learn a lot from it. I'm about education, and it's very hard to be profitable in any business without having a certain level of knowledge. And I think the tool, I hope that the toolbox test is something that your audience will enjoy. So tell me a little bit about the, the toolbox test. So what would be like, give me an example of what a question would be like. Uh, a question would be like, uh, I'm, I'm, trying, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think. So, for instance, okay, let's say, uh, and the way I have them worded, it'll be, it'll say, for instance, all right, you, you, you're, you're in the field, and the, um, you're in the field, and the temperature, I'm making this up as I go along, because I don't remember what I wrote, but, and, and all of a sudden, you're, uh, you're mowing hay, and the temperature on the tractor starts to spike. It just goes and spikes immediately, all right? Uh-huh. You shut the engine off, and you see it didn't blow a hose. It didn't blow, it didn't, it didn't blow a hose. It didn't throw a belt. And so it's the end of the day, so you shut the tractor down, and you worry about it tomorrow, and you have your wife come pick you up. And you, so you talk to the next morning at coffee, you talk to two or three of your friends, and you ask them their opinion. So it says, Farmer Ray says, well, you shouldn't have bought that track. You should have bought another color because they always overheat. Farmer B says, since the temperature spikes so quickly, I think that the spring broke in the thermostat, or the wax pellet broke in the thermostat. Farmer, farmer, uh, the third farmer, Farmer C, says that uh, I think that the water pump is going, and Farmer D says that the belt may be slipping. So then, so it's it's laid out that way. Whereas it's 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 like a casual discussion, and you always and the way I lay it out is that the farmer has a problem, and then he asks four of his farmer friends of what they think the cause is, and then you choose. You choose one of the farmer friends. It's five question test, and then you submit your answers, and then I give you an automatic. I don't know who took the test. I don't know your name. I don't know anything. And then you get the proper answers back, and I say, no, farmer B is correct because the engine spiked in temperature so quickly that the wax pellet from the thermostat that opens up against the spring probably ruptured and leaked and, it's, and it closed the thermostat down. So it's an education tool that way. It's, 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 I mean, not because they're, mine, they're a lot of fun. 
when, when I was a kid, I used to read Popular Mechanics, Mechanics yep. Illustrated, Popular Science, and it was and they had quizzes like that in them years ago. So that's how I got the idea of doing this with farm equipment. It was it was a little story, and then you're always asking the, the answers are always four different farmers' opinions. So I think that and it takes about five minutes to take it, and it, it is a learning tool. Yeah, I just pulled it up here. I'm taking a look at. It. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do these every month, man. This is a, uh, this is awesome. I'm gonna check this out. This is, this will make me make me not sound so stupid when I go back and talk to the guys in the shop. So this will this will be this will be nice. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah so like I said, it's all it's about it's all learning, and the yeah. uh, it's all learning, and then another um, another part of the website that I'm proud of, and even though it's nothing that I created, is there's a video tab, uh-huh. and on the video tab. I, I, those are excellent videos that I have found. They're not educational as far as anything, as far as equipment is concerned. They're inspirational. Gotcha. And two of my favorites on that video tab are Into the Heart from Ford Motor Company. It has nothing to do with cars. It's inspiring how, how, how something inspired a young boy in his life. And it's exquisitely done. And then the other one that's really is, that tugs at my heartstrings is called Empathy. And it's from the Cleveland Clinic. And I really think that 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 you know, when you have a bad day or things are going wrong or the field is flooded out or what have you, is that if you look, if you watch that empathy video, it's, it has no voice in it whatsoever. It's music and just captions. And it, it really it really grounds you and, and gets you to realize how blessed you are that you only have a problem that, you know, your plant are broke and you don't have the problems of the people in the hospital. And um, I use that video section. There's some great videos from Bex in there, mm-hmm. and there's some a couple of other videos in there. But there's nothing education about equipment. The goal of the Farm Machinery Digest is not only to help educate people, but I want to try to inspire them. And um, and those two, Into the Heart and Empathy, are uh, really favorites of mine. And I, I watch them often just when, when, you know, when I'm feeling sorry for myself, as we all do sometimes. Right you know? Yep, I hear you. All right. Well, Ray... If if you what's the one piece of advice you'd give to we have a lot of young technicians coming in uh, right now and we're we're all we're, we're all you know scavenging around trying to find the the folks we need to and we've got some good young kids coming into the business on the technical side of the business. If you had one piece of advice that you'd give to any of these eighteen nineteen year old kids coming into this, what 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 piece of advice would you give them? The piece the piece of advice that I would give is that they need to have a passion for what they're doing and they need to look backwards and build and they need to be a tinkerer. You need to be able to ask questions, you need to have passion, and you need to not start at letter Z in the alphabet. You need to be able to start and learn your basics, understand to, to, to the level that you need to how a engine works, how a transmission works, how a, how, how a hydraulic system works, and then build upon that, have it in inquisitive mind, have an inquisitive mind, and just and, and tinker, play with stuff. You cannot be a good technician if you're not a tinkerer. I'm sorry, you have to go home, you have to be the type of kid that wants to go and, is, and be just as interested in a printing press as, an, as, a, as, a, as a sprayer or, or a combine because the mechanical aspects of that are all overlap. And the thing is that you really need to just read, talk to people, Tinker and and take every class that 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 dealership has 
or that school has available to you because education is never lost. And the thing is that just like being a, an excellent farmer or an excellent producer, it's a culmination of all different things, and you need to bring that all together. But have a passion about it. Have a passion about it. Read, listen, learn, ask questions, and don't think that it works on magic because it doesn't. I had a wonderful, I had a wonderful teacher in General Motors School, and his name was Dick Hip. I did an editorial on my flags across the harvest, and he used to say, "This doesn't work on FM." And you could imagine what, and it was, and the, I won't say what the F was, magic. <laughs> so, so it doesn't work on FM. Yeah. A man designed it. A man can fix it. A man can understand it. But right. you need to have that foundation. You need to have that foundation. And so many times today, people don't want to, they want to skip the foundation. You know, the scriptures tell us a house that's built on, you know, on, on, on sand is going to fall. You can't, house, the, the foundation is the strength of the building, not the roof. And, and we need to have that foundation. And that's, and that's something, and, but if they're not, sadly, if they're not passionate about it, about machinery and mechanical things that I'm not saying they can't be a good technician, but they they won't have that foundation. But just you know, look, explore, ask questions. Don't be the kid, don't be the young person sitting in the classroom. I taught for many years. I taught people in the trade, and I used to say right to them, I'm, I mean, I'm tough. I'm tough lover, like a marine drill sergeant. I'll give you a hard time here for my class. I'll say if you ask no questions here, then you either know everything, and then I'll sit down and you could teach me, or you're so lost that you don't even know where to begin. And I'd rather have you lost because then I could take you along. Mm-hmm. But listen, learn. Engage people, engage education, and you're going to find that you're not going to get everything you need to know in one place. I'm yep. sorry. You're going to take a little bit from here, a little bit from here, a little bit from there, and put it together. Yep. No, it's, uh, that's good advice, man. Well, Ray, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast, man. I really appreciate you being on. Well, thank you so much, and it's an honor to be on your show because you do a great job. You do a wonderful service to the industry, and I want to thank you. I want to thank you that you had this this crazy accent, dry land farmer from Hackettstown, New Jersey, where they make M&M candies. So if you ever look on the back of M&M candies, it says Hackettstown, New Jersey. Uh-huh. It says Mars Wrigley, and they're two miles from our farm. Is that right? No, that's cool. That's cool. That's my claim to fame. There you go. go. All right, Ray. Well, if folks wanted to reach out to you and ask you questions, what's the best way for them to do that? Farmer at farmmachinerydigest.com. It's a long email address. I'm sorry about that. It's Farmer at farmmachinerydigest.com. And I would, you know, I'm, I'm... it's great being on the Global Ag Network with you. If you have the opportunity, to, you know, to your audience, listen to a podcast. Go to the website. I love engaging. No question. I will. I will not. I'm a straight shooter. If I don't know the answer, I will tell you. But I love engaging and educating people. And no matter what age you are, I don't care if you're young or old, you never. It's 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 always the right time. It's always the right time to learn. And I will. And I just want to uh, have an open invitation to your audience to be able to engage me in any way they can. Well, Ray, take care of yourself, and uh, hope we can do this again sometime, and we'll catch you down the road, bud. Thank you so much. You have a blessed day. Thank you so much. I'm honored. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast, now part of the Global Ag Network. If you'd like to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com. You can also visit the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel and watch Market Roundup with Chip Nellinger, Sean Hackett, and Angie Setzer. Also, Tax News with Glenn Birnbaum. 
please visit movingironllc.com. Here you can find information, details, and updates for the 2019 Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, and globalagnetwork.com. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour. Out. Moving iron in the 21st century.